Welcome back everyone to Double Shot of Branding. Today we're going to be chatting with you all about an ideal client. What is an ideal client? Why an ideal client is important, important and more. So Kaden, why don't you get us started with what an ideal client is? So an ideal client is like your dream person that you want to work with. It's somebody who pays your rates without, you know, arguing or trying to negotiate. Um, maybe it's somebody who books your highest package or they add on stuff. Um, it's basically just like the epitome of like the perfect person to work with. Mm hmm. That's a good thing to note because a lot of people think of it as somebody who's just going to buy their services, but you definitely want to be working with people who spark joy. I'll use a Marie Kondo term <laughs> yes. there. Yes. Spark joy and you're going to be excited to work with them and they're not going to try to bargain you for lower rates. They understand the value of your work and you're going to be a perfect fit for each other. Yes. And that is who you should be targeting when you are creating a brand or designing your website, writing your social media captions. You don't want to market to everybody. You want to market to that very specific, perfect client. Yeah. So an ideal client is important, A, for your sanity. <laughs> Just kidding, but not um, really. But <laughs> But I mean, everyone started their businesses for a reason. You have somebody in mind that you want to work with that type of person who is going to make you happy, make you excited to come to work every day. That's why a lot of people of us, a lot of people of us, <laughs> I was all over the place today. A lot of us started our own businesses was to have the freedom and flexibility to do what we want and work with who we want. So establishing the ideal client and who this person is in your mind is important in order to run your business. Definitely. So not only to be happy day to day, but also for marketing reasons, it's a lot easier to write social media captions or write the copy on your website if you're talking to a specific person and not just trying to, you know, because if your audience is too large, it's really hard to, mm -hmm. to run your business basically, because you don't know, like when you write a social media caption or something, I always think in the back of my head, like, well, I mean, I don't want to like alienate, you know, X, Y, Z, because they're part of my, you know, audience either. But it's really important that once you figure out who your ideal client is, like it makes it so much easier to do everything, whether it's yeah. the pronouns that you use or um, the way that you describe, like how you can help somebody, the type of pitch that you use, um, the examples that you give clients, you know, like on sales pages, um, mm -hmm. you're not going to give an example of, you know, how you struggled flying to you know europe last week if your audience is broke millennials <laughs> right yeah yeah and an easy example of this is if you are somebody who works with experienced entrepreneurs maybe they're five years into your business your style of marketing to those people is going to be different than if you were trying to market to brand new entrepreneurs yeah copy that you're using would be 
so different. So you want to try and hone in on who that ideal client is so you can figure out what your messaging is going to be in all of your marketing going forward. Yeah. And the biggest thing is your ideal client changes over time. So when you're first starting out in your business, like you honestly have no idea who your ideal client is. You think you do, but you're oftentimes wrong unless you maybe are a very experienced business owner and have run a lot of businesses and um, you start out, you know, you know, to start out with a brand strategy and all that research and stuff like that. Um, it's likely that your beginning clients or even just like the beginning of your business. I mean, I know when I first started out, I charged like, first of all, I started out free, you know, doing it for a family member or something. And then you graduate to your first client and you only charge, you know, like a couple hundred bucks and then you start moving up. And so those first clients that you work with are oftentimes not who you want to end up working with or the same with, you know, products, even the first product that you make is probably are, is going to change so much after people start buying it, start giving you feedback on, you know, what works, what doesn't work, what broke. Um, you might have to change manufacturers, change the type of material that you use. Um, and also trends change too. You know, a lot of people are, um, a lot more focused on sustainability now. So maybe if you started your business 10 years ago and it's, you know, say an apparel business and you're ordering overseas and you're just, you know, using the cheapest labor and the cheapest, you know, fabrics or products that you could find at the time. Um, now, 10 years later, people are really concerned with ethical trade and fair wages and all this other stuff um, that maybe you weren't as aware or focused on when you first started. So now you have to, you know, make sure that you're up with the trends and what people are wanting, what your audience might want. Yeah. Another thing too, is when you're starting out, you're just trying to get whatever clients come your way. And then you're slowly learning over time who you like to work with best or who your messaging you don't is. want to work with. <laughs> or who you don't want to work yeah. with. That's then probably also, the quickest one you figure out is who you don't want to work with. <laughs> yeah. Who you don't want to work with is also super crucial. I think a lot of people when they're starting their business out will definitely learn right away and that you will work with both types of people. Kate and I have both worked with people that we loved and people that we didn't really vibe with. So we've been able to hone in on our messaging and who we're trying to attract moving forward. Even um, now, I mean, when we've been in business for a while, like we still, you know, yeah. come across pro uh, projects or clients that we don't enjoy as much. Um, just because yeah, the vibes not there. <laughs> my ideal client is always evolving every day, honestly. So I'm still figuring out as I go who I love working with and, um, it's, it's hard because I'm not somebody who's narrowing down my ideal client by business type or age range necessarily, but by aesthetics. So um, when I'm doing discovery calls with people, I really try to make sure that what they're looking for in a logo matches my aesthetic. And that's kind of how I narrow down who I'm working with. Yeah, I second that too. Um, I worked with a plumber one time and I had to explicitly state in our consultation call that like cartoonish illustrations, you know, like maybe a guy holding a plunger or something is not um, the style of work that I do. <laughs> 
So um, your, your ideal client is constantly changing and you just kind of adapt and figure out ways to kind of wade through all of the options and figure out who the best people to work mm-hmm. with are. Yeah, I think a lot of people get scared when they hear ideal client, like they have to hone in on a specific group of people like photographers, for example, but that's not true. Kate and I are living proof that you don't have to do that and you can still run a business by, um, you know, honing in on what you think is good for your ideal client. So I think both of us are kind of, our ideal client is based on our design style and that's who we're looking to attract. So we both work with all different types of businesses. So we're not having to like cut out like specific groups of people. Yeah. I like it working with like a variety of businesses. It's fun. Um, the research part of a project is always really fun to me, kind of seeing what the industry standards are. And, um, I think if I just focused on like one industry, like wedding photography or just photographers in general, it would, after a while, it would get hard to separate the brands and like the copy and stuff like that, because they're, you know, almost kind of focusing on the same type of client. So the words that you use and stuff like that is similar when you, and then when you have like 50 of those clients, I think it'd be hard to kind of come up with new ideas. So I love working with a variety of clients. So while niching down is really important um, to do at some point in your business, whether it's by the industry or age group type of client, whatever you want to do, a lot of people are always afraid to really hone in on one uh, group of people as their clients, but it really, because they think that it'll, they'll lose out on money. But honestly, when you focus, when you niche down, you actually become more profitable because you become known for that thing. So when people are looking for, you know, somebody that does X, Y, Z, if you're the expert and that's who you always work with, um, you're going to come across as more, I don't want to say like trustworthy, but just like more experienced basically. So never be afraid to niche down. So how to find your ideal client. So, um, Knowing who your ideal client is like the foundation of your brand. It's every decision you make uh, will be to attract that person. So something that Michelle and I give our clients is some homework before a project starts. And we have like a little worksheet that kind of helps walk them through how to find their ideal client. And um, like we said, it's always changing. So nothing is like stuck in stone. But um, for my, for our client worksheet, I have like a little graph and it goes over, you basically want to create like a fake persona for your ideal client. So give them a fake name, give them a fake occupation, um, their education level, like what stage of life are they in, their relationship status, uh, their gender, their career, what they, what industry that they work in, their income range. So um, if you're wanting to attract people that book a $10,000 project, um, their income, there's going to need to be a standard for their income because, you know, a lot of people can't, who are just starting out with their business, maybe can't afford, you know, $10,000 for branding and website design or whatever. Um, The type of house that they live in, are they apartment dwellers? Are they in the city? Are they in the suburb? Do they live in a house? Do they rent? Do they own? Um, All of those things that 
create this little fake person play into your, your target audience and your marketing strategy. So something else that I also have on my worksheet is listing down like their fake hobbies and interests. So if you are an outdoors brand, then the hobbies and interests of your ideal client are obviously going to be like hiking and hanging out at parks and the blogs and the websites that they visit are going to be, um, you know, sports or outdoor activity type things and maybe national park websites and then how they spend their money. So, you know, if you have an account where you're sharing deals on Amazon, the spending habits of your target audience is probably going to be, you know, $20 or less on an item, $25 or less on an item. So, um, and then the last one is social media. So like what platforms do they use the most? And this usually depends on their age. You know, uh, millennials use like Instagram, people younger than that use TikTok, older than that, uh, baby boomers, our parents, our grandparents, they're on Facebook. And so you just go and you create this like fake person so that you can target your marketing strategy to um, their interest and, you know, kind of who they are in a sense. Yeah, and piggybacking off of the social media uh, category, I think that's a good example for online entrepreneurs similar to us is that you want to think about like which platform your ideal client is going to be in. So I know personally, some of my clients who are a little bit older, they're marketing a lot more on Facebook because their ideal client is a little or is around the same age as them. Whereas I am for my own business marketing so mainly on Instagram because that's where my ideal client hangs out the most. Um, I don't spend that much time on Facebook. Yeah. Facebook like pay business pages are kind of really slow. Um, I feel like groups is where it's at on Facebook, like to market. Yeah. Yeah. I think you can do really well in Facebook groups, depending on what your audience is. Yeah. So after you figure out like who your ideal client is now, it's 10 times easier to market to them, to, uh, come up with strategies that are specifically for them. And another uh, couple questions that I always ask my clients um, is to list the top three challenges that your ideal client faces. So what is the reason that they would need your services or products in the first place? And so when you think about the top three reasons why they need your products, you can then use those reasons to, you know, in your website copy, in your social media captions, in ads, um, and then also list the top three objections your ideal client might have to the service you offer. So what would stop them from buying your service or products? And then you can use those objections to uh, persuade the client to purchase or buy your product. When you're aware of why they would want it in the first place and why they might not buy it. In the, like what would cause them to, even though they want it, what would cause them to not buy it? And then that's your chance to convince them that they actually do need it and they should buy it. Mm -hmm. You also could ask somebody who you feel like might be your ideal client um, to help you answer these questions as well. I've definitely done market research this way. I've reached out to some people and asked them like quick 
little mini surveys that take less than two minutes to help me kind of figure out what offerings I want to provide for my ideal client. So you never know who would be willing to help you. Yeah, it's a lot harder to answer those questions yourself because I feel like we as a business owner are biased to what we think our client wants or needs. And mm -hmm. that oftentimes is actually different. So if you can reach out to past clients or people who might be your ideal client, like you'll get much better answers. And then another way to market to your ideal client, um, this is specific for like the design or creative industry is to only, you don't have to put all of your projects on your website. So only if there's a project that you don't want to do or a type of client that you don't want to work with, then don't put their project on your site. Um, because when people go to your site, they're going to see that work. And the goal is to work with the type of people that you want to work with, your target audience, your ideal client. And so if you have all these projects that don't align with who your target audience is, that's who you're going to continuously attract. Mm-hmm. And if you're a newer designer listening to this, um, definitely feel free to create some passion projects that are, uh, what is the proper term for that? Not, I don't want to say fake clients. Yeah, crap. What is it? That like a fictional project? I've, I've heard of yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> there's, a, there's a word that's- It's just a fancy word for fake. <laughs> yeah, it's like a fancy word for fake. But anyways, don't feel- like you can't make fake projects. Um, my gosh, I'm, I'm so mad that I can't think of this word right now. Cause I used to use the word on my website to distinguish, like these are yes. real. And I know exactly what you're talking about. I, Cause I just saw on somebody else's website the other day, of course I can't think of it. Um, if you do do a fake project or, um, make sure you don't like use an actual brand. Um, because a lot of people yeah, like come up with a random name. Just a, yeah, like completely. Exist. Yeah, yeah. Because business people can like get really offended by that. Um, it could be like a copyright issue, a legal issue, or um, also don't think that if you create like this fake brand or whatever for this business, that that's going to get you their business. Because <laughs> oftentimes it is just going to piss them off. Like I would be really annoyed if somebody like redid my stuff to try to pitch it to me because if I didn't think that I needed a new logo or a website or new branding or packaging or whatever, then I'd be like, who the hell are you? Yeah. <laughs> what are you trying to do? So if you do do a fake project, make sure you make it up. Yeah. Not a real business needs to be a fake business. Definitely. But I like to work on projects like that periodically as well. I haven't done one in a long time, but I like to take breaks from my own business and create little passion projects. Like it is a dream of mine to work with a coffee shop. So I'm just going to keep manifesting this by creating fake coffee brands until I die. Yes. Hence the name of our podcast, Double Shot of Branding. <laughs> yes. Come on, coffee shops, work with us. <laughs> Well, I think that's all the advice we can give about finding your ideal client and how to market them. So we will see you guys later.